I think everything is a reflection of us and, and I'm taught everything is a mirror of us. If you try and inflict blame or guilt on a bramble that's wrapped around your foot and you're trying to get out of there, it's not going to respond to blame. Hi everyone, welcome to Therapized. Hi. I have a very special guest on the show today who I want to introduce um, as the guy who has sold his London life and he has invested in a woodlands. That's how I'm going to introduce him and I'm going to let him do the rest of the speaking now um, to introduce himself. So without any further ado and without any of the technical issues that we've had today, Hi, Jacob. How Hello. are you? Hi. Great. Thank you. Um, yes. So, so I'm... can we just start off by letting people um, understand a little bit more about you as a person? Because I don't want to just be for people just to think you're the guy who sold his life. There's more behind that. Yeah. So could we just give a little bit of an introduction of who you are? Yeah. And I think we've been talking loads today. Um, and the thing that's come up is that I'm not a big fan of labels and I, I haven't picked a label for myself. I'm just Jacob and I'm, I'm someone who was born in London and I was born feet first, upside down. So I came in the opposite way to most people. And a lot of my life has therefore been the opposite way to a lot of people. Uh, mm. I lived in London my, my, most of my life into the end of my 20s. Um, when I yeah, decided that I wanted a big life change and I, I sold everything that I could, mm -hmm. got as much money together as I could and bought a forest and have spent the last three years learning what it, what it takes and what it's like to live in a forest and be in nature and protect it. Yeah. And I, I, I am looking after it as a conservation site. So when did you realise... Inside. When did you realise that you needed a change when did you get to this point where you hit this and you were like okay i need to sell up everything and i need this change when i don't i couldn't say exactly when mm. but it was n things were not going the way i wanted them to my life okay. was not the way i wanted it to be and i didn't feel the about myself and about my life i didn't feel right mm. so i went on about a journey of of discovery of what really mattered to me and what was good for me. And that was about seven years ago, okay. seven or eight years ago, I, I knew. You know, when you say that you knew, was that your intuition? Was that something within you that was telling you that I need to change or something needs to change here? What was going on for you? Mm. Yeah, it was, it was the intuition, I guess, underneath my desires and my job and my relationships and places that I went socially and underneath all of that there was a knowing underneath that um, I wanted or, or I needed something different mm. or lots of things to be different. Yeah. I didn't necessarily know how to go about discovering what those things were or, or what to do yet but I, I knew intuitively that I was meant for something else. Mm. And you said that you, you knew, was that a feeling? Like when we talk about the intuition and you knowing and connecting with that, is that a feeling? Is that a thought? Mm. Is that something that speaks to you? Like how do you know it was your intuition and, and how does that, how do you connect with that part of you? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, Quite a few questions. 
so I said, uh, I've said it more than once that what I try to teach people uh, that works for me is, mm. is about the, the non-physical self. And the non-physical self, aside from the physical self, the material self, the material world, we have a non-physical experience. And intuition is part of that non-physical experience in a way. And it does feed into thought and feeling and emotion. And it is linked to thought, feeling and emotion. Mm. But it is, it's in a way supersedes that and it's quieter than, than that. It's quieter than our desires and our doubts and our fears. Our intuition is the, is the quiet voice. And I think of that voice as the true self and yeah. the true blueprint self. And, you know, the self is what it's all about. So learning and that intuition is, is key to our development. Yeah, and I often hear people that, that say that they, um, they don't know how to connect with their intuition. And these are often individuals who live in busy lives and we're in this sort of society where it is go, 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 and we're always doing something new. So how or what would you say to someone who can, is struggling to connect with their intuition to help them just feel that feeling that you're talking about, that real self or that authentic self? So... Yeah, there are, I use ancient practices or practices like yoga and meditation a lot. And these are widely known for, for tuning into the self or tuning mm. into the body and tuning into the now. Why do you call them ancient practices? I just use that term to refer to practices that have been around for a very, very long time. Um, so ancient practices like yoga and qigong and um practices that have been used by people for their well-being mm. and for their mastery of the self for thousands of years yeah. uh, and that have not been invented recently you know um, that's why ancient and and their embodiment practices or, or practices that involve focusing on something meditative or a process whether it's in the body or outside the body yeah. um, those are very good that's a good training ground for mm. us to get in touch with ourself yeah um, and are these are these um, practices that you use and embed in your everyday life? Absolutely, yeah. Um, everything I try to teach or teach people, I am living it. I am actually actually living it, and I'm practicing what I preach. I, you know, when I refer to the woods and getting into nature and spending and an extended exposure in nature, working with the woodland in a methodical process let's say it's building a pathway or yeah. just moving wood chip that in itself can be a very meditative zen-like process in what way um in the sense that it gets us out of our thoughts and into a physical process and building a pathway is a great metaphor for by the time you finish building a pathway maybe you haven't needed that many materials or maybe you haven't needed materials at all maybe this is just about clearing yeah but the achievement you get and the sense of achievement you get out of physically helping nature and helping yourself and guiding yourself and working with part of your journey um, is, is an incredibly powerful way to engage with the self. Okay, so here's an example. We don't always have access to a path-making space or those tools, so, so, but we always have the body. We always have mm. the breath. Yeah. So you talk about um, this is something that you do in the woodlands. Yeah. So when you speak about the, you, you mentioned about the wood, what, what, give me an example of something that someone would participate with if they came into the woodlands to work with you. So, yeah, the, <clears throat> we engage in loads of different kinds of practices and I have 
um, ways to help work with people from a nutritional point of view and a movement point of view. I've built a yoga deck and I have a steam tent and I've got spiral staircases and terraces and I've got pathways. And obviously we can climb trees and do all kinds of things in the woods to do with being a natural person. Mm. But also we engage in natural practices like breath work and and true exercise and mobility in that environment. It's a very different environment in which to do those practices. So sometimes people are familiar with yoga, but they're not familiar with doing it outdoors in the woods. Or sometimes people are unfamiliar with those kind of practices, in which case it's highly stimulating. So I I work with a cascade of protocols. I call it a set of protocols that take people through a day and through a few days where they're able to meet themselves in lots mm. of different situations, meet their own frustrations and joys in different so situations. Are the woodlands like a reflection of what is going on for someone internally? So in some ways they come to the woodlands and if they are feeling frustrated, if they are feeling sad, if they are feeling whatever is coming up for them, mm. that's what they will then notice mm. or reflect through yeah. the, the practices? Yeah. I, actually, I think everything is a reflection of us and, mm-hmm. and I'm taught everything is a mirror of us so no matter whether we're in nature or not we will mirror what's inside us yeah you can blame people for feeling frustrated or things go wrong and you can have shame or guilt or blame in you <clears throat> but if you try and inflict blame or guilt on a bramble that's wrapped around your foot and you're trying to get out of there it's not going to respond to blame right mm. We project all these things onto the world. And I think when we're in nature, we realize that it won't relinquish to our blame. Mm. It won't just bend to our will, nature. We actually have to work with it. And we start to realize that our frustration is the same, whether we're cutting a tree down or moving wood chip or doing yoga. We, we can meet the same kind of frustration within us mm. in many different scenarios. <clears throat> what nature does is gives us an opportunity when we're working in it to displace that blame Mm. and get out of this process which is self-perpetuating and actually work out our frustration work through our problem with our metaphorically or not with our hands in the dirt yeah so I've come to the woodlands and I have got something stuck on my leg and I'm like oh this is stuck on my leg I cannot move now in the direction that I want to move I'm frustrated I'm annoyed I feel like I've wasted my time coming here how are you going to support me in understanding where my frustration is coming from yeah. in that situation? Well, it's a great, a great uh, synonym or, or metaphor is that it's the thorn in the side, isn't it? So if you scratch past a bush or you get caught up in a bramble, you've literally got a thorn in you. Yeah. <clears throat> and if you pull further and try and keep going in your direction, it's going to rip your flesh. Mm. It's going to damage you mm. really badly. And that's exactly what happens with frustration or anything else in life. If somebody says something to you and you carry that with you, well, the thorn in the side, when it's a literal thorn, you can see that by relaxing, by stepping backwards, taking a step back and having patience and understanding and looking at a different perspective at the thorn, you'll have the ability to actually manoeuvre yourself in harmony with what's happening but we take frustrations often we we take things too literally that are not physical thorns and we carry them with us a thorn in our side so we always need to figure out where the thorn came from Mm. where the frustration came from 
and often it's from something that's not not relevant to our future and is not important it's also there's something about stillness like if i stay still if i start to become aware of there's a thorn in my leg for example there's something about that pause that stillness that allows me to take that time to become aware to then understand yeah. And I wonder if in, in the, the world, we're very busy beings and there's always something to do and there's always something going on. How do we introduce that stillness or create that stillness to give us space to reflect? Yeah, yeah. It's all about personal practice for me. And that's the thing I'm always trying to drill into my teachings and, and myself yeah. is personal practice. Spending what is personal practice? It is whatever we want it to be, actually. But... Is the, the more time we spend yeah. in, in practicing ourself, our person, mm. practicing your person. So the more time we spend doing that, the better at it we are. Mm. So if you're constantly frustrated and constantly at work and constantly doing your filing and constantly working in that environment and constantly frustrated, well, if we spend time in a breath work with mm. that frustration, go back to that frustration and breathe. If you sit within something for long enough, it will dissipate. Mm. But if you just constantly grappling with it in your real life mm. and you're never t stepping out and trying to understand what's happening there, taking time out off planet to practice our person, mm. we never really realize what the frustration is all about. Yeah. So personal practice is about finding the minutes or hours, if we can, every day to practice ourself. That might be mindfulness or meditation or breathwork or movement or exercise. There are lots of different kinds. Uh, so I'm always banging on about personal practice and I'm, I'm banging on about talking about the quality of personal practice mm. and, and making sure that we have a really high quality experience in ourself. Mm. I think one thing that you said there that I think um, is really beautiful is personal the word personal because that doesn't mean just because you're doing it everyone has to follow through with that way of being no what you're trying to show them is that no there's different practices mm. but you're making it personal for yourself to try and understand how is this going to benefit you but it becomes your way of being totally yeah yeah i've had to try a, th a lot of different things throughout life to to discover the thing the the small number of things that really work for me yeah but i've the things i've picked up have all been uh, because they genuinely help me they benefit me they make me feel good mm. and that's different for every single person but we have a duty to ourselves to to really practice it mm. to truly practice what we preach what we preach to ourselves yeah. i want to be healthier do something healthy mm. i want this do that Mm. It's actually about decisive action. And we can't take decisive action on ourselves unless we have a knowledge or have a way of doing that. So we have to practice, try loads of different practices, practices being other people's specialities, yeah. before we develop our own. Do you think that people, like in six months' time, your practices will change? Do you feel like you're always adjusting them to try and fit where you are? Or do you feel that they need to stay the same? They'll absolutely change, yeah. I, I, we are constantly changing. Yeah. And we're constantly growing. So in physical practices, for example, like stretching or, or mobility or movement, there is an order of progression. We need to progress, not just repeat the same thing over and over and over again. Mm. 
repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome is the definition of insanity. So yeah, we absolutely have to change and yeah. we have to adapt and believe that we are getting stronger and more agile and able when mm. we're doing it. And you said something there about repeating the same sort of pat like we're repeating the same thing so there's what happens or what i come across is people repeating the same patterns over and over again and they get to a point where it's like i no longer feel like this is working for me mm -hmm. and in that moment that's where they want that change mm. do you feel like that's something that you've been through where you got to a point where you were just like enough enough yeah. i'm sick and tired of these patterns and this is now the direction that i want to go down yeah was it as easy as that no <laughs> um yeah yes i knew i could do things yeah and i knew i couldn't do things as well i knew that so much would go right and then in these patterns occasionally things would go wrong and they seem to repeat themselves all mm. patterns seem to repeat themselves so I knew that there was something in my pattern, in my program, mm. that was bumbling along in certain ways and then having a catastrophic failures in others. And that didn't seem to balance with me. I, I felt that there was a way to be in life where I didn't feel like I was going down the wrong route mm. all the time in certain small ways. Yeah. And this is about program, about learning different habits or getting rid of habits that, that I'd learned that weren't right for me. So what habits did you feel weren't right for you, that weren't serving you? I lived in a very toxic environment. London's mm. a very toxic place, and there's a lot of greed and lust and frustration and guilt and shame that fuel comparative and comparable worlds, mm. competi competitive worlds. And with that toxicity of frustration and guilt and shame comes all of the other toxicities like bad air, bad food, drugs and alcohol. And there's, we, we're all sort of aware that balance in our life is key, mm. but balancing lots of th things that are toxic don't make you detox mm. and don't make things easier. So, yeah, lots of toxicity. Mm. In terms and you talk about balance and you talk about um, doing your personal sort of practices. But there is so much information out there. Yeah. Someone's telling you to get up at 5 a.m. Yeah. Someone's saying you need to sleep with your watch on and monitor your, your sleep. Mm. Someone else is saying that you need to eat this certain type of food. Someone else is saying you need to take these supplements. How do you work through all of that to become or to, to develop your way of being that's going to be healthy for you? How does that, how do you integrate that? We have to develop a sense of self. And that means we need to know where we are coming from and what we are, how we are judging these things. Nobody really knows what you need other than you. So for people to tell, to suggest things, mm. it's up to us to try them and see if they work for us. And if we understand if they work for us, from where are we doing that understanding? Are we comfortable in the quality of ourself? Are we aware of what we are as, as and we were talking about mastering the self earlier? So it's very difficult to make decisions about what's good for us if we don't know who we are and what we are underneath. 
How do you master the self? How that that's the game. It's thrown around. Yeah. Like becoming the self, get to know the self. You need to do this with this. Like, what is what does that mean? What does yeah. it mean to master the self? Yeah. The, and how do I know that I've accomplished the mastering of self? I I mean I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know in the sense that I can't answer that for everyone else, but mm. I can answer for myself that. Um, the research and reading I do and t learning I do with mystics and, and masters of their own skill sets mm. are that mastering the self is about understanding who is doing the understanding, who is having the experience and what that person is underneath the intuition, behind mm. the thoughts, the feelings and the emotion, behind the experience of life, behind the job, behind all of the things that we think we are there is somebody having an experience. There is a self having that experience. Mm. Having the experience of frustration. Having the experience of joy. And therefore we are not the frustration. Mm. We are not the joy. We are not the pain. Yeah. We are something else. Therefore, if we know that something's wrong, if we know that we need to change something, if we know, then that is our intuition. That is our self. Mm. And that self is speaking to us from underneath. Mm. You need to change your job. We need to be healthier I need to you know and it will speak to us sometimes like that we <laughs> you know it or I mm. it really sounds like mastering the self is about becoming aware of your your thoughts and becoming aware of what you're feeling but also then communicating with what is this feeling trying to communicate with me what is it saying so if I'm frustrated mm. what is the frustration about mm. I'm holding on to this frustration and instead of regulating it or sitting and, and trying to make sense of it, mm. we might then be blaming other people or blaming the world. So, for example, I might be in the car on the way to work. Mm. I know I'm running late, but a hectic morning, things haven't got worked out, I've just dropped the kids off and I'm exhausted and I haven't been able to, to get ready in the way that I wanted to mm. and now I'm running late for my meeting. Mm. I'm frustrated. Mm. If the kids did this, if the nursery was like this, if... Um, I was I got more help in the way that I needed at home. If this, if this, if this, then I wouldn't be feeling like this. Mm. What would you say if I came with that example to you? How would you help me to regulate my frustration in that space? So we have to come out of shame and guilt and blame. First of all, we have to agree that they're not useful. Mm. Thought processes, vibrations, whatever we want to to call them. And when you were talking just now, I, I was thinking, well, gosh, our conscious mind and our thoughts only represent a tiny, tiny amount of what we're actually experiencing. Mm. Sometimes we're experiencing frustration because of something that's outside of our control, something that's outside of our field of resistance. Mm. And if we are feeling that kind of frustration, ancient practices or yoga will say, just do the practice and work it out work it through the body out and I think of that in a sense the simplest way of seeing that is that sometimes we're frustrated about something that we haven't intellectualized mm. and therefore by intellectualizing the frustration we will not get rid of it yeah. sometimes we just need to cathartically process it mm. and it's the difference between I guess how how the west and the east think about medicine or well-being or or whether we're thinking in a reductionist manner mm. the frustration is is the thing the big problem and therefore I need to focus on that frustration 
or are we thinking holistically? The frustration is there, it's drawing my energy, therefore I need to draw myself out of the frustration and into something that's good for me. Mm. So we need to find our practice, we need to find our mindfulness and meditation and breath work yeah. are things that anyone can do. So you've given some examples of things that we can apply in our toolbox for our personal um, sort of foundations that we can use daily for our practices. Mm. And you mentioned breath work, you mentioned meditation, and these right now are very buzzwords. And a lot of people will say, you need to do it this way, you need to do it this way. So when we, or when you're, you're speaking about breath work, what does breath work mean to you? It, it means to me pranayama, so yogic breath, focus of breath is one of the eight limbs of yoga, you know, it's one of the key parts of mindful expression and connection to the self is the breath and the lung, the nostril and the aspects of the muscles that we can tune into. There's a huge amount that we can focus on mentally and with our non-physical self on breath work, mm. but it's all pranayama, it's been going around, people have been doing pranayama for thousands of years. There's lots of modern names now. There's Wim Hof and there's coherent breath work. All of these. So can how be... do I know which one to go to? If I want to get into breath work, how do I know which one is going to work best for me? They are all pranayama. So stop breaking it up in your head, right? Mm. So don't go on to complex breath works if you can't breathe simply, i.e. can you breathe through your nose for five seconds in and five seconds out through your nose for 10 minutes and not think about work? Can you focus on the breath without a single deviation? A single deviation. Because yeah. if you can't just breathe in and out for 10 minutes without thinking about your job and your mm. frustration mm. or your life, then you're not really breathing. Mm. You're a bit breathing. So start with the breath mm. before we jump into you well, know, you... deep breathing and ice baths and plant medicines and all of this stuff. Like, can you even sit with yourself yeah. in your breath? Mm. So you know. the basic thing that you're saying to people is start with your breath. So if I ask for a question to you, which is if someone is struggling right now and they are finding it difficult just to regulate their emotions, what would be the one thing that you would tell them to do or try or to start doing to help them? I largely have been teaching and found it useful to teach what they call coherent breath work or symmetrical breathing, but it's, again, it's a kind of pranayama. But just symmetrical breath, I was saying five seconds in and five seconds out through the nose. Coherent breath work, which is symmetrical breathing. What is symmetrical breathing? Symmetry, the same in as out. So even amounts of, even breath in. So it's like five, yeah, the coherent breath is about six seconds in, six seconds out. It's five breaths a minute, mm. but it's not important. It's like, can you even breathe? Can you even do that for one minute? Mm. Like, until we can actually sit, and it's not even about breath work actually. Until we can actually sit and just be, then we shouldn't. We shouldn't overcomplicate the mm. self. If we're so distracted by our lives that we can't sit thoughtlessly, then we need to practice being thoughtless. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we'll never know what it's like to be without the frustration. Yeah. We need to know what it's like to be without the frustration. And um, people say, just focus on anything. Just focus on anything. Can you, focus, can you light a candle and, and, or, or stare at a dot, you know, stare at a leaf on, on a tree and just 
empty the mind of everything else except for that leaf? Can you use up your mind and complete beingness and everything and every bit of energy you have to focus on a leaf? Mm. Even for a split second, if you're able to take yourself out of the thoughts and into the beingness and into the nowness, you can dissipate anything else that's in the mind. Yeah. But and again, it's feels... not about getting rid of it. Yeah. Like, getting rid of it means that you're not happy with it. You're not yeah. happy with your life. Mm. So we've got to figure out what makes you happy. Mm. What did I know it was toxic? Yeah. It was like there was, I had lots of things in my life that were toxic. I had relationships that were based around emotional dependency and control and addiction. I had jobs that were based around greed and lust mm. and control and power. I had social groups that were all about vanity, materialism, and gain and comparison comparison and com competition and i also had lots of things that were going into my body drugs alcohol food mm. air all of it was bad i wanted everything to change how did I, you know how did you know it was all bad i have having been born feet first upside down i'd had chronic pain and difficulties in my system my whole life so I'd done a hell of a lot of research already on mm. nutrition, on food. I'd worked for pharmaceutical. I'd worked for the legal industry. I knew how nefarious and sinister the Food and Drug Administration and certain aspects of the world out there and the food yeah. industry are. And I started putting two and two together. Started doing my own research. Started testing things out on my body and mine that I felt were natural and good ways of living. And I've always lived naturopathically. Mm. Um, so I just knew, and and also the other side of it is just you kind of just know if something's bad for you. We know the truth. Yeah. We always do. I think that's what we have an innate ability to discover. And maybe sometimes we're not always ready to see it because even when people come into therapy, they may realise that there's certain patterns going on, but they need to be in a place where they're ready to understand. They might try. I'm going to go back and try this. I'm going to go and try this, and then they realise, okay, I need to go within because none of these other things are making me happy or giving me the results I want. Yeah, you say ready. I, I'm a little bit harsher than most. I think uh, people who aren't ready to take responsibility for every single thing they've ever done mm. are not ready to change. Mm. That means taking responsibility for all the stuff you put in your body and mind yeah. and all the stuff you put in the world and being able to change on a hairpin and decide mm. I'm going to be a completely different thing because I believe and need that to be the case. Yeah, we have, to, we have to actually just take responsibility. It's not about getting ready. Okay, I'm getting myself ready. I'm really gearing up for this. Hey, everyone, look, I'm really gearing up for this. Well, go on then. Come on. Readiness is, is, about, is, is about the ego. Yeah. Taking responsibility and actually acting. Now, that is change. Yeah. That is well-being. Mm. Not following others, but doing what one knows in the self. Yeah. to be the right thing to do and develop and improve the quality of beingness, the quality of our experience of being in ourself, mm. in the body, in the mind. If we can improve the qualities of those things, then we can take that raised quality mm. back into our relationships, back into yeah. our life. And when we raise the quality of our vessel, our mind, we actually don't want to sully it again. Mm. So repeating habits that are bad for us is like, I'm nearly ready, you know. Repeating habits that are bad for us are, are 
tantamount to self-harm. Yeah. And taking responsibility is when we wake up. And that's the thing, what you've, you've just said something really powerful, which is where, where we wake up. We wake up when we want to take responsibility. And sometimes we wake up when we are fed up of these habits or mm. these patterns that aren't serving us. And that's when we decide enough is enough. I need to change. And we mm. go into responsibility. If, you, if we don't wake ourselves up, life will wake us up. In what way? There's too many cliched ad old adages to this. It's just like, if you bury something down and down, no matter how small it is, it will come back and get you. Mm. And there are those out there who life carries on and then they collide with life. Mm. And they take, on, take it on and they change it. And there are those that ignore it and then life collides with them. And life is ever so much more powerful than us. Mm. And if it comes for you, you will not be able to avoid it. So it's, it's about whether or not we choose it. Yeah. It's and always a choice in the end. Well, when, you, when you're saying that, what comes to mind is that you can keep trying to run away, but you will always run back into yourself. So you can keep mm. trying to be like, okay, I'm not happy here. I'm going to go and do this now. Or I'm going to go and do this now. And I'm going to go and do this. But that's always the external world. Mm. And we get to a point where you can keep trying to run away, but actually the real work happens from within. Mm. The real work happens when you stop, you pause, you reflect, you become more aware of your patterns and you take that ownership. Yeah, it, it's as if a lot of people believe that, that they're not real, like mm. their emotion isn't real. And I say that in the sense that you can change your shoes or you can change your location, you can change your material, yeah. and your pattern, your habit inside will follow that and it will turn that thing mm. that you that new thing into the old pattern yeah so that's because for some reason we change the the, the house or the job because we think that's real but mm. we don't change the emotion because mm. we don't think it's real yeah you've got to take that seriously like if you change your emotion if you change the way you feel about something if you change how you are in relation to how you experience something mm then you don't need to change anything on the outside. In fact, what you already have will fall into that new self. Yeah. If you're frustrated with your thing and you change it to another thing, you're going to end up frustrated with that. But if you're frustrated with the thing and you learn how to deal with your frustration, then that whole thing gets better yeah. and the frustration dissipates. Mm. You learn how to react to it. So yeah, we have, to, we have to shift internally. We have to believe that our emotions are real things like objects mm. and we can work with them yeah. we can change them they're not they don't define us yeah and it's the 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 film it's created by a psychologist i don't know if you ever watched it inside out uh no no it's like a, it's a cartoon okay um but it's got little characters of little emotions oh yeah 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 i've yeah. never seen it but i know what you mean yeah. yeah and it's almost like we, we can externalize our emotions yeah. so that we're not that we become the emotion but it's almost like us trying to relate to the emotion to understand it to communicate to make sense of it mm. and it feels like that's what you're trying to say is that the frustration we don't become it we're not this is who we are it's mm. almost like how do i relate to this mm. yeah uh, like we build our whole worlds around that so if we're you know fr uh, frustrated or if we're a joyous person then generally we will create joy yeah. if we create start a company and hire people and um, we will create joy 
you know. It's like what you said earlier is everything around us is a mirror version and it's a reflection of what's going on within. So if I'm yeah. coming from a place of I don't feel worthy, if I'm coming from a place of I feel like I am not important, mm. if I keep coming from that place and that's what my internal belief is, mm. I'm going to keep projecting that out and seeing that. Mm. So I might go into a coffee shop and I'm asking the person, um, could I have this coffee? And they've given me the wrong coffee, for mm. example. I'm thinking in my head, the story that I create is they don't like me or, or they didn't listen to me or mm. it's because I'm not important. Mm. And as a result, I might now not go and tell them that I have the wrong coffee mm. because of the belief and what's going on internally. But mm. I'm not aware of that mm. until we, I get to a point in life where something happens and it's I have to go in now to make sense of what's going on. Mm. Yeah, it will mirror you. So using the woodland as an example or being yeah. in the woodland that you you approach something so you've just so you've had that coffee situation and then mm. you go to the woods and you want to move a, a log from a to b or you want to flatten a piece of ground this is mm. something that happened recently we're trying to flatten a piece of ground and we came across a, a stump a wood mm. stump and the wood stump is not where i wanted it to be and it is really, you know, it's, it's in a bad place. It's in an annoying place. And so we started trying to get it out. Mm. And what we were doing didn't work. And instead of finishing that day, we had to carry on for three more days. Mm. Because the whole of the next day was about getting the stump out of the ground, pretty much. Now, you just deal with it. Mm. And you just accept. And you accept and you laugh. This, this tree stump is stronger than me. It's deeper than me. It's lived longer than me. It's, it's all these things that, that represent strength and a resilience and agility. Mm. And I'm using all of my physical energy to get it out. And the sense of achievement is enormous afterwards. Mm. And then we go to a coffee shop. We get pissed off by someone. Ooh, we get frustrated by someone and a coffee and a little thing and we jump to all these conclusions. Mm. Well, when you don't... You only get those opportunities to blame others or to be frustrated with others when they're there. Mm. If you go into nature and you're on your own and you work in nature, when those frustrations come up, which they will, and those angers and controlling toxicities come up, you'll realise that it's all in you and you're not going to get the job done quicker or safer mm. if, you, if you mirror it, yeah. if you put it into the world around you. In fact, the tree is so ambiguous and... and it, it, it just it just it doesn't acknowledge the frustration that you have on it so it's sort of it mirrors you in the same mm. way that the world mirrors you yeah and it shows you how ridiculous your frustration is whereas mm. whereas for some reason a non-natural world a world that we've created accentuates and gives value to and helps fuel the fire of frustration mm. nature won't do that for some reason what's one powerful lesson you've learned from nature about yourself? I've learned um, my own patience mm. and where the limits of my patience are. Okay, in what way? I'm a much more patient person than I thought I was. Okay. Mm. And I've learned the pace at which nature wants to grow and change. Mm. And I've realised how different my pace was to what happens beautifully and naturally in this world. Do you think if that's... If I want to be a beautiful, natural thing, then I, 
there, there are elements to the pace at which we, we move, I think, mm. in life. Do you think that lesson that you've learned through nature of pace and slow and stillness and understanding that things don't always work the way that we want them to, do you think you've integrated that into your life and your practices and your way of being? Absolutely, yeah. Before I started teaching anyone anything, I did a lot of work on the self to practice and learn what these things meant for me. Mm. And I sit here and say this to you, I, I take this into account every single day. And, you know, we had a bit more time before we met today. So I said to you that, that I used 25 minutes just mm. to sit and meditate on the floor over there because this expanse of time opened up in front of me. Yeah. And I could have so easily filled it with invoices or getting my documents out or checking what's or scrolling, scrolling or doing something else. Yeah. yeah, that's a big thing. Well, I don't do those things. I, I step away mm. unless I really have to. Mm. I don't do those things. How do you step away? How have you got the, the willpower within you just to step away? Practice. What you've said is the thing that you need to do. Mm. And doing it the first time is unusual. And the second time is repeating something unusual and uncomfortable. And then the third time is, okay, I'm going to get more comfortable with this until you're comfortable with it. Yeah. If you get too comfortable with being in the woods alone, you don't want to go back to the society. People talk a load of rubbish, you know. How do when, you deal with that? Because you live in the woods. How... I love people. Okay. okay. <laughs> How do you manage the distractions, the noise, the... the the jump back on this hamster wheel and go, go, go. How do you stop yourself from doing that when you go back into the London world? From going from a place of peace and slow pace and being in nature to then consulting in very different environments. How do you... How do I do it? It's, yeah. it's all down to personal practice. Dedication to my own space, my yoga mat, my, my body. Which every, you do daily? Every day. Okay. Without fail. It's the first thing I will do. I will. I also have a load of nutritional hacks mm. that I use and other biohacking techniques to really find presence in the body and mind. Mm. And I use that. And I, I'll actually sometimes maybe not do enough, find myself in frustration later on in the, in the day, mm. and then stop what I'm doing to practice, yep. to alleviate that frustration. I like that you just being very honest about that because often we think oh, I've done this in the morning I've spent five minutes meditating I've done my grounding I've done this and that means I'm never going to feel frustration now for the rest of the day so I think there's a real honesty with that where you're sharing actually no it does come up but yeah. then I will work with it and it, it will come up I'm not practicing to be some it. kind of alien guru I'm practicing because it helps me know where I am mm. at, in my practice so if I'm in a practice in the morning and I'm frustrated with something that I have to do later on, then I know that's where I'm at. Yeah. But that's because I've done that exercise a thousand times, mm -hmm. and or more, 10,000 times. So I'm like, okay, so this is how my exercise feels today. This mm. is how I feel in this strength, in this position, in this motion. Mm. It almost creates a map for, for where I'm gonna be later. Mm. But it doesn't make me some kind of impervious to being a human being. I'm also a human being, and I have to then go through things. Yeah. But from what point of view am I going through that? Mm. Am I going through that point of view of just from that frustration? Yeah. Or am I going through that point of view of saying, of actually, when you, when you really have a strong practice, you start to realise that everything centres around you and comes yeah. from you and yeah. you create the entire world around you. 
So if you wake up stiff and frustrated, I say I, I say stiff, immobile. Let's mm. say you're inagile or immobile in the morning. You can be pretty certain that you're going to be like that emotionally later as well. Mm. Immobile. Something's going to piss you off. So be aware and arrive in that moment knowing, mm. God, this is exactly what my hip was telling me this mm. morning. It's exactly what my lungs were telling me this morning. But this is about being human. Like this yes. is being human and knowing that things will come up. But it's about how we learn to navigate that. Because even as a therapist, people often think, you're a therapist. You, sh you shouldn't be getting these emotions. You shouldn't be, mm. like, feeling frustrated. You shouldn't be raising your then voice. how would you know about them? Yeah, exactly. But it's about going back to your personal practices, mm. going back to your foundations, yeah. and thinking, okay, if something's come up for me, what is it that's going on? And the more it's, you it's become aware... It's yeah. a connection to the self. Yeah. This came up a lot in the workshops recently that I was doing in London. But the connection to the self. So our, if we're not connected to the self, mm. then we don't know how the self feels. When we're yeah. connected to the self, we know how the self feels. And if, if we're co constantly connected to something that's frustrated, no wonder mm. we're disconnecting from it. Yeah. But if we connect to ourself with quality and we connect, we say, God, I connect to this frustration. There's a high quality connection I have mm. to this frustration we start to know that we can have a high quality connection to yeah. something. And developing that connection means that when we're in a frustration, mm. we can bring ourselves into ourselves and understand the connection with the frustration. Maybe we realize that connection, the connection with the frustration is not healthy yeah. and that we don't need to have that frustration. Unless we have a connection to the self, how do we know how the self feels? Mm. Without that connection, we're disconnected yeah. and we are led by our emotions and we are controlled by our feelings. Mm. We are reacting to everything that's happening around us rather than responding to an experience of life. And the beautiful thing about experiencing life from a place of observation, from the eye, is that you can... Well, you're observing. Yeah. You're observing. You're the great observer. You're the great observer of this amazing, magical thing that's going on rather than... A, v a victim or, or a byproduct of stuff. Yeah. yeah, we have to find that connection to self. And when we talk about the connection with self, do you feel like there's ever a point where we are going to be perfect or we've got it together? Or do you think life is a journey and there's always going to be new things that come up to get us into a place, into a different place? Yeah, we constantly have to shift and change. I talk about the tools and techniques of shifting and trans transformation. Mm. Now, those are the things like being really good at being adaptable yeah. and learning new things, yeah. being good at learning new things. Mm. That's the only thing that really matters. Then we can learn how to change and, mm. and adapt. So techniques of transforming the, the body through stretching and yoga, that's mm. a really good technique because regardless of our job or our mental health or anything that's going on in our life or our one the wonders of our holidays or or anything that we can experience regardless of the ups and downs are we able to actually understand the quality of what's happening below all of that all of mm. that surface I don't think I've said that quite right. But yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I think I understood that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if I can word it in a better way, but yeah, no, that's 
that's what I'm getting is that we're just, it's all about the, the using the physical practices yeah. to, and, and the, the nowness, the experience mm. of being in the now and learning ways that are sustainable, that are good for us to yeah. progress and change. And, and if we're able to change in any moment, if we're able to change our identity and change our job and not feel anything associated with that, then we're going to be fine. Mm. But if we don't learn the, the, the techniques of transition, then we're stuck. And actually what you're asking is, yeah, of course, it's an endless journey. Mm. We never stop learning. We never yeah. stop growing. Because if you stop learning and growing, then it's, it's tantamount to just deciding I know it all yeah. and deciding I'm going to die this way. I'm going to die in this job and I'm going to die in this notion of how life is. And that's not what anything in nature does. Mm. Nature is constantly changing and adapting. And so we, I, I don't think we should ever feel like we're, getting, we're approaching the end or near, near the end. It's a beautiful I, lesson, isn't it, from nature is that nature is constantly changing. It's constantly adapting. If we look now, we're sat in nature. If we look around and really understand, it's always changing. It's always adapting. And yeah. sometimes as human beings, we, we want to hold on to everything and it's like no 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 I want to hold on to this I don't want to lose this I don't want to and in some ways life will happen mm. and when it does happen and we we lose or we feel like we've lost that control it can bring up things for us and I suppose totally. if someone's in a place like that now and someone is noticing that they have lost this con this this feeling of control what's one piece of advice that you would give to them Find the center, find your center. There is no control, so there is no control, so you've lost nothing mm. except for an illusion. Drop the illusional template. Mm. Come into the self. When somebody doesn't have any personal practice or any time or space in their life that, where they do anything good for themselves, or spend any time nourishing themselves, they're going to find it very difficult to understand that. Mm. But they need to come into the centre of the self. And so it sounds like coming into the centre means starting to acknowledge your personal practices or starting to create that space for navigating your personal practices? <sighs> yeah, I, I think more basically is like, if, if you know there's a problem... Mm. First, you need to identify what the problem actually is. The awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And then you need to change that thing, mm. regardless of fears. And if you don't, it will come back and get you. And people immediately start to think about their job, their relationship, their yeah. home. Yeah. If you're not prepared to change all those things, mm. if they're bad for you, you're not going to get anywhere. And everything that we have, our home, our relationships, reflects where we are at. Yeah. And sometimes that can be a really scary thing, isn't it? If someone's got young children, if someone's got um, loads of different responsibilities, and then what we're saying is change. And for them, it's like, I've never done something so big like this before. Mm. But there's no other direction for them to go. Mm. And it's them navigating the fear mm. rather than them thinking that it's me having to change this. It's, mm. again, the emotion that comes up. Mm. Yeah. We, it's... We have to find our personal practice. We yeah. have to find a way to work with it. Uh, you know, generally things will get better mm. that we think are going to get worse. 
if we don't interfere. So people need to, if people are suffering from unhappiness and, and suffering, it's because they have expected or wanted something to be a different way. Mm. And we need to calibrate ourselves to what we actually need, what, not what we want. We have to calibrate to the truth yeah. of reality, not our imagination. <clears throat> so often people are in suffering because they want something that's not real or they want something that's not going to happen. Well, that is dangerous. Yeah. That's a dangerous place to be. And yeah. What I'm thinking of when you're saying that is I've planted some seeds and they're sunflower seeds. Mm. And I'm like, oh, can't wait for the roses to get here. Can't wait, can't yeah. wait. And every day I'm nurturing and then they come out as sunflowers and I'm like, what is this? Yeah. What is this? And, and I'm expecting them to grow in a certain way and then I'm feeling frustrated because they're not. And sometimes we have to just let things go, let yeah. things be. Let, yeah. It's that being. Yeah. And that's what we can learn from nature is... Yeah. Things happen, things come, things go, and there's a pace, a pace of totally of being. Yeah, yeah. It will do. It will do exact. It will do only what it wants to. Nature, yeah. not what you want to, or what it needs to. So, Jacob, mm. I just want to say a huge thank you for your time here. Pleasure. Um, and just your insight and your wisdom and your life lessons. Um, but before we end, we always have a closing question, mm -hmm. which you probably aren't aware of. Okay. And the closing question that we ask everyone is, do you feel that life is fair? No, absolutely not. Why not? Because then the, the mere concept of fairness wouldn't exist mm. if there could be no unfairness. So do you feel like it's been fair for you? No. No, fairness is a is a human trait, and not not a trait of life, in my opinion. And I think the the beautiful thing about that question is, regardless of what happens to us, we have a choice to be yeah. fair or not ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs>